Hi there. Before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program, and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. You really help this podcast to gain a great exposure, as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us, and as women and people. Who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So, if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, and Google, or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us, please head to Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation, which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. I'm like speechless, <laughs> speechless, oh but also God. like full of full of love for this book. Oh my god! I want to read it. I can't wait for you to read it.、Uh-huh. Are you into video games, Dorpe? In the past, I I was. Yeah, yeah. Is that the book about video games? Yeah, Dua. How strange is that? You're never. You're not a very. Okay, so it's not actually really about video、person. games. It's mostly about like um like relationships and friendships. Okay. It's it's but like a lot of it is about the working relationship, and there are elements in the book that talk that touch on. How they create、um, video games and stuff.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, but it's just oh my god, I, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under. Three, two and a half weeks until Christmas, Christmas and.、Yeah. Um, yeah. You know where people describe it as a kind of like dragging ourselves through, you know, the last few muddy weeks of the year,、um, mm-hmm. getting excited about the end of the year celebrations and all. But also, Helen, you're feeling the normal sort of routine fatigue that people feel towards the end of the year. I actually heard the study, saw the study the other day that was published that said、um, that people actually get more exhausted. There's an exponential rise in exhaustion the few weeks before Christmas. I、yeah. mean, it makes sense. We're about to hit summer. We're about to go on a big holidays. People are trying to just finish up the things that they need to finish up at work. Yeah, and you get the feeling of oh, it's towards the end of the year. You look back and <laughs> look at the, those crappy resolutions that you set up for yourself at the beginning. Oh, of really? The- you did that? No, I didn't. I mean, in my younger years, I did. <laughs> and then you reflect on what you've did the whole year. You feel like you've been busy, but at the same time, you haven't really achieved. No, I'm sure you have. We all we all tend to be our worst self critics.、Um, I'm sure you have achieved a lot of things, Helen. I think I I have never been one to、uh, construct New Year's resolutions. I、mm. don't think they work. But one of the things that I did hope to do, which I have managed to fail at this year, is to, and it's so easy. I don't know why I have failed, but it was just to keep a list, a running list of all the books that I read. And so、oh, I started,、okay. um, and I、yeah. I think the last book I like, and I I just basically add in a book on my notes、um, app in on、mm-hmm. my phone, but like I've managed to drop it off. And、um, the last book I entered was a book I read in like April. So <laughs> from April until here now, I have stopped like I have stopped putting in the um you know、uh, recording the books that I read. I think also Helen, one of the reasons is because I never I don't finish books if I don't like them. Yeah, yeah. You you don't. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. If it's something that is not aligned to 
your literacy value <laughs> you just oh no i have high standards yeah um yeah i and so i have i think I, I, the last if i look at my books um record from april so from april to from january to april i read like i think it was like 25 books mm-hmm. so yeah and then i i haven't kept the list since then i i have kept a list for myself and well I'm, done um that's because I'm still a very old school person that I use apps and, you know, my phone to record stuff, but um, I use my diary at the back of my diary. Yeah, nice. Notes. Yeah. I write it down and every month I've been pretty consistent reading at least two books a month. So mm. not as many as new, but I think um, just going back to that feeling of towards the end of year, I think it's particularly for us in the southern hemisphere. Most people mm. celebrate, you know, the very Christmas very different to us. Where summer here on the east coast, Australia is usually always going mad, you know, with the weather, which is not unusual. We had bushfire and flood. Mm. The climate has been uh, drastically different compared to our younger years. Mm. Also, this week, what what we were talking about just before we start recording that this week the temperature has also fluctuated quite a lot. A, yeah monday was 31 degrees and today mm. after i walk my dogs it's only 14 degrees at 9 30 so i think that kind of massive change does impact your body and mind yeah absolutely yeah so what have you been doing this week um i if i look through my calendar i was um I had had a very interest, uh, exciting week in mm. that I attended and um, did my first ever film review gig. Um, so yeah, that's awesome, and I'm very excited. And I was very excited going to the media screening for this movie, which is uh, Francis O'Connor's debut directorial debut film called Emily, and it's basically a speculative biofiction of Emily Bronte. The elusive Bronte sister who wrote Wuthering Heights Mm -hmm. and it was the titular character was played by Emma Mackay Mackey um or McKay and she's most famous for playing the role in Sex Education on Netflix oh yeah Um, yeah so I only saw season one I I don't know why I didn't continue season two there isn't any reason I didn't um why I didn't continue I really enjoyed season one and I really like Emma McKay's character um and she, I think I um, saw her in another movie called Eiffel. I think it was called Eiffel or whatever the name of the guy who, yeah, I think the Eiffel Tower is named after, what, Giuseppe Eiffel or someone. Mm. Um, and uh, she also plays um, the romantic interest in uh, in that movie. Um, but this one was excruciatingly um, beautiful and very sad and very atmospheric and i enjoyed it and and the line and the review i wrote will come out in limelight very very excited about that how about you helen what did you do this week i'm oh, looking forward to it it's something is it a british production or is it, it is I th- oh it's an american production i think yeah yeah so this week i don't know i don't even know where to start it's like one of those live inconvenience where you couple with heat yeah like so many things can go wrong on a certain day this is just very uh a bit of trashy report of my on live and i'll go on to what i've been doing oh, please i love trashy reports on live <laughs> so i had to take our car to a for an inspection because the engines sound funny 
And then my dog was limping on one of his leg and we had to go to the vet, which is on the same day. Mm. And then we had another car issue, which is um, I had, I have to, I still haven't found a smash repair, which the car functions pretty well. It's just a bit of inconvenience with the back door. Yeah. So it's a very bizarre um, damage to the back of the car. I feel like you're always having car issues. Know, Is it a Subaru? Yeah, it's a Subaru. Why don't you just get a new car? I think well, Can we you afford a new car. <laughs> because um, I have heard privilege Subaru- talking here. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just I've heard Subarus have yeah. issues, and I think that if it's easier, you might as well get a new yeah, car. Yeah, as in not a, like a new new car, but like yeah, I, I know. Yeah, but I think it's also because we live in the place which has a very difficult terrain and you know how yes, driving yes. up to my place is like almost going a, a to mountain. Up, the mountain yeah and we have such bad roads here and we have trees fall like tree branches falling on you know on top of a car all the time so there's a lot of damage mm. yeah we hopefully we can get it sorted out before the holiday starts and as for my work wise uh speaking of review I don't know if this one is going to be coming out, but I do. Um, I am in support of doing a film review for the ABC iView uh, for one of their projects. It's called Kaleidoscope Films, which are about four young adults' films. So you know that um, most of our cultural consumptions, particularly TVs and films, are very American centric. Yeah. And sometimes we. You know, we do discuss a bit of British production and being an Australian, I feel a little bit embarrassed that we don't talk about Australian productions. Yeah. And in public media platforms, there's certainly a lack of marketing for Australian work. So this week, I really want to recommend for young adult films, you know, people can search it up, but for overseas people, I, I don't know where they will be able to access them. So ABC iView. Uh, the project is called Kaleidoscope and the reason I want to recommend these films is that because they're both interesting for children. Uh, my daughter watched it with me and they're very meaningful. They, they have very meaningful insights for adults as well, it's particularly for people with migrant backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So these four films are Gugu Nagogo, Namaste Yoga, Vives Silly Mango, and Yaz Queens uh, are four short films. Uh, they are about different lives in diverse contemporary Australian family and they are stories about teenagers from diverse backgrounds. There's narratives on self-discovery, family dynamics and friendships and struggles of cultural identity. So basically these four films are great for both children and adults. Uh, as I mentioned, and it's more just representation. The film conveys a lot of stories about, I feel like I saw my younger selves in those films. And it's often that during our journey of growing up, a lot of things that we encounter, we found it hard to express. We couldn't find the words to express those emotions. I think all those four films pretty much lay out what we've experienced when we give us yeah give me what's the namaste yoga one about the namaste yoga one um so the premise is is about this 10 year old uh 
Indian boy. He has a twin. Uh, the protagonist is the the boy, but he has a twin sister. And there's a differences between the two siblings. The the boy always feel ashamed and embarrassed about his own culture, where his whereas his twin sister is very open about her own culture, and she does a lot of Hindu dance, and she's not afraid of showing her. You know her own culture and identity, and I found it funny that when they two bicker, the sister will call him a coconut, and the little、mm. boy will call her a curry. You're so curry, and、mm-hmm. you know I think coconut for those who doesn't know is brown outside and white、mm. inside. It's same、yeah. as banana. You know we call it sometimes we call ourselves banana with yellow、yeah. and white inside. So that's how they bicker and. The the short film goes through a process of how the boy rediscovers and claims his own identity of learning his connection with his family through yoga, and also it really amplified. I think this is the one of the good bit I like about this film is that it doesn't shy away of calling out white people appropriating yoga.、Mm-hmm. In the film, there's a white teacher. You know, yeah. The kids yoga and tell them that oh no you're not you're not doing the right I'm the right you know you know those、yeah. things that we've seen before I, I really love these all four films and really want to recommend it to all our listeners. How how long are these films? Twenty five minutes. They're okay. Short, you know,、mm. kids can sit through them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's they they are brilliant. So I, I hope that there will be more people seeing these films and. And hopefully there will be more fundings and support for these filmmakers to continue to share their stories. Yeah, awesome. Okay, let's take a break, and when we come back, we would like to share of the books or book <laughs> singular of twenty twenty two from Jess and I. Okay, so I feel very excited and also equally breathless. Um, about talking this, talking about the book I'm about to talk to, to you guys about, and it's a book that has made me feel things that I want to feel when I'm reading a book.、Mm-hmm. Like it expands my mind and my heart and my soul and every part of my body. And it's a book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. She is a Korean Jewish American writer. Oh,、um, she's 45 years old. This is, I believe, her seventh or eighth book,、mm-hmm. and.、Um, I'll tell you the genesis of how I came across this book because I like stories like that. So, my agent just came back from New York City on、uh, a tour, meeting with other agents and publishing houses、um, a few months ago, and I believe three weeks ago we had a conversation where she told me that a lot of、um, New York City agents were talking about this book,、mm-hmm. and people. It was kind of it, it, the vibe was that it was kind of the book that Flashman is in trouble. Had when it came out, you know, everyone's talking about it. Yeah, everyone's obsessed with it. And I thought, what a my first reaction to this、um, was, what a strange title.、Mm, tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Yeah, and、uh, if, I guess if you are like literarily inclined, you would probably have known that it is from、uh, the shake、uh, the Shakespeare play Macbeth.、Um, I, yeah, and、um, it's a very famous soliloquy. Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and、um, I came across and I, you know, once my agent told me about it, I thought I'm going to get my hands on this. Also, because I think I mentioned to her that I really love work novels. 
Mm. So I like novels that center the woman and her relationship with her work. Her place, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Workplace dramas, I'm all over it. And she said that this book was about video games and Mm. about two people who come together and make video games. And so I thought, okay, why not? I'll give it a try. I'm not someone who is, like, I don't spend any time in my life playing video games. Video Mm. games does not, is not, not, it's not part of, of my life in any yeah. meaningful way at all. Um, and uh, so I thought maybe, you know, this won't relate to me as strongly as someone who might play video games. Um, the only relationship I have with video games is perhaps when I was younger and it was part of my life, you know, um, peripherally, yeah. I have to say, yeah. because right. my brother played it um, a lot. And, um, and I guess like one summer when I was 12, I was obsessed with The Sims. is it it the sims or not the sims it's like um sim city that's it sim city i was obsessed with like i was obsessed with building my little like my little city and then like obsessed with your god yeah exactly and i loved like um choosing the different disasters you can Uh click on to like (laughs) to destroy what you created so like the fires or the floods or the earthquakes Uh i really need to get back on that it gave me so much joy anyway back to the book so um, this book I I will I want to talk about forever and ever. But basically, it's about these two characters called Sam, uh, who is a Korean Jewish uh, boy. So Gabrielle Zevin said that she based the character on herself, like culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, um, you, we meet him in the beginning, and he's in the hospital um, long term because he's got um, problems with his fo- foot which you find out later on there's some trauma that he has experienced that made him, you know, put him into the hospital. And while he's in hospital, he's um, in the video game um, playing room and then that's where he meets this girl and um, they develop a friendship. And several years later they meet up again in college um, and what they do is um, they sort of are in love with each other but they're so kind of – their friendship is so – their friendship and their um, their love of the shared love of video game is so incredibly strong that they don't they feel really really reluctant and vulnerable to risk being romantic with each other, and so they never do. Um, they just keep on um, for the next ten years or so. They start a company together. They move from Massachusetts to LA to start to run this company with um, uh, Sam's college roommate called Marx, who is a uh, Japanese Korean American. And um, and this, like, I'm, like, 20 pages from the end and I, like, have been reading it and I feel like there is, like, when I read it, it feels as though I'm having some sort of, like, it feels, I, I just, like, I, I don't even know how to say it properly, but, like, it feels as though I'm having this overwhelming emotional experience that makes me kind of it inspires me to create something so this book is very very like if you're a creative in any sense you know if you're an artist or a writer or a musician this book will make you want to create it's so inspiring it's so like um luscious in the way that it tells a story of friendship in a very like non-sentimental way and the writing is super easy and beautiful to read and uh, I just like can't, can't recommend it enough. It's definitely the best book I've read this year, and I have like very high expectations when it comes to books. I can't think of. I think the last book that touched me in this way was perhaps um, Rodham by Curtin, Curtis Stinfield, which I think I read this year, but it came out two years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's a reimagined life. With Hillary didn't marry Bill Clinton. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I have so much love for this book. It's insane. And I just cannot recommend it enough. Mm-hmm. So it's called Tomorrow. And, and Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And <laughs> what I want to say also is um, Gabrielle Zevin. So I spent perhaps five hours of my life listening to her interviews before I read the book. Uh-huh. And Gabrielle Zevins talks about um, the way in which this book kind of started, the genesis, sort of the emotional seed for the book. And so in 2017, she wrote a modern love essay column. You know the modern love, um, New York yeah, Times modern York love Times. essays? Yeah. yeah. So I used to love those columns, uh, those essays. And she wrote one um about how um, she is in her 40s and she is not married to her partner. And it's kind of like her essay about how she never feels like she needed to marry her partner. She never felt like she needed to sign a paper or have some sort of her relationship institutionalised by the state. And um, I'm not sure if listeners know, um, but um, when you write a essay for uh, a publication, you are not in charge of the headline. Um, so the the people at the newspaper, they, they, um, they're the ones who create the headlines. And so Gabrielle Evans, um, she was not, she had no control over the headline and but of this essay, but the essay ended up being, uh, the headline ended up being called The Secret to Marriage is Not Getting Married, something like that. Um, and a lot of people, she said um, after she wrote this essay, a lot of people sent her hate mail like saying, oh, um, you don't know the meaning of true love until you get married, you're delusional. And then another, another person, and she said she also got a lot of comments that wrote to her and said, you don't know true love until you have um, kids. Yeah. And Gabrielle Zevins was so like, yeah, and Gabrielle Zevins just thought that's like really mean. Not mm. only is it mean but very judgy, but also like yes. she felt like um, it was really sad that a lot of people – had thrust upon her this idea that she needed her relationships to be um, kind of mediated through the state or for her to have needed to pass a series of tests in order to, for her to feel like a whole human being, in order to her to feel like she knows or understands what true love is. And so she thought um, it, she wanted to write a story in which um, the most special person in your life might not be your husband or your kid or your mother or your father. It could be someone like a friend, but it's just like we don't because the the whole like the whole role or like the whole kind of um, position of a friend is so vague and so borderless and so kind of like it could you know you could just the way the way we use the, the word to describe friend is it could be you know when sometimes you 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 introduce someone and you say oh this is my friend but like it's a euphemism so like it could be someone you're sleeping with but like people were just like very vague out of objects they're like oh yeah i'm just gonna say she's my friend or it could actually be a genuine friend like you know you and i we have i i know in my life i have one of the strongest relationships i have is with um you know my friends you know one particular man Mm -hmm. um who you know helen every time i talk to you i mention him (laughs) but um yeah it's and and i like i just think gabrielle zevens has written a book in which she has 
made me feel seen and made me feel valid because I know myself I will never get married. I don't want to be married. I refuse it. Like the, the older I get, I think the more adamant I am that I don't ever want to be anyone's wife. Mm-hmm. And um, for for me to experience this story where a, a, an artist has created this um, these two characters who find love and um, friendship and have it, and then the way in which Zevens writes writes it, it makes me feel like it just ex- like like the best books. It, it expands my mind. Uh, it expands my heart. It expands my idea of what love can be. You know, mm. and um, I feel like I want to like print out a poster of this novel and like put it on every single poster. Like I want to put it on every single wall across Sydney and make everyone read it. That's how much I um, love this book. Oh, God, I hope that she will hear this. She must be <laughs> very overwhelmed. I feel, yeah, I feel really, um, I feel very compelled to write to her and say, like, you Oh, yeah, I think you should. Like- I think you should. You'll be nice. I think as a, as a creator, they will always love to hear, you know, positive response from their readers. Um, going back to the discussion about love, I totally agree about how love transcends um, over how the state institutionalized like a marriage. I mean, even though I'm a married woman, but I do believe that people has have choices. But then again, you see, think about it that um, a lot of people say that if you ask them why do they get married is because, you know, it comes down to the economic values of two people and also there's about, there's a lot of legal shits around it, you know, if, yeah. you, um, if you have yeah, the rights right to um, inherent assets or if you're not even talking about economic rights. Um, this is the problem with same-sex couple in the in our previous generation, hopefully not anymore that if you're not married, that you cannot access, you know, even personal exactly. items, your partner. Yeah, partner yeah. So there's a, le- a know, lot it's of atrocious. Legal shits, yeah, legal shits around it. And if um, I do get married, that will be the only reason. Yeah, so yeah. So that I can, I like, see know. my husband in the hospital, <laughs> you know, because I know that there are a lot of rules around that, you know, regulations. Yeah. And, you know, Gia Tolentino, she got, she apparently decided to get married, as she says on Instagram, because she, for health insurance reasons. Yes, health insurance reasons as well. So, um, so I think if I ever got married, I would just not tell anyone. Yeah, I don't think so. I would just be like, not ashamed, but I would just like, I would hide it. I would not let anyone, I would just keep, continue to refer to my partner as my partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not let anyone know that we're actually legally married. Like, who needs to know? It's not know, anyone. It's like, who business. needs to know that you're if you're registered a personal ID or a driver's license? Yeah, almost like that. You know, <laughs> driver's license. Are you going to go? I mean, maybe young people will go out and say, "Oh, yeah, I can drive now." Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. It's not something to really show off. It's a very. It's. I always feel like I had a wedding myself, but. I always feel like a big wedding and announcing it to the world is a very bougie thing. It's right. a capitalist kind of idea that you need to show it off. But um, yeah, I love what you said about um, Gabrielle Evans. Gabrielle's yeah, yeah. um, idea and theory surrounding love that you really don't need to be married. I mean, there's a choice for you and 
what you know let's not kid ourselves marriage for woman it's still very oppressive yeah i know um <laughs> yeah i just feel like what when i heard her say the things that she said about wanting to, wanting to live in a world where friendship is just as important as like a romantic relationship wajeda mm-hmm. um i feel like in my life honestly and that's not at all to take away my relationship with my partner obviously mm. but like um just i i my my french like my friendships have been um absolutely like the most important thing to me that has ever happened like other people i know who have changed my life in profound ways in a way that i i just like i cannot even put it anywhere lower than my you know romantic relationship it just that's not at all in any way to you know reduce the value of my romantic relationships but it's just romance is like so friggin overrated mm-hmm. um and and this is really like i have been um using my highlighter to write to, to like highlight all my favorite bits in this book and there's this one line um where um where a character says um that friendship is even better than romance or sex something like that i don't yeah, remember i do but, i have a feeling that there's like not motivational speaker i think some life coach has also mentioned that you know friendships are more important than your romantic life and particularly yeah, as well you know because we need to have that kind of bond that is beyond our romantic i just think that um friendships are actually more beautiful i think friendships are more beautiful than marriages because people in friendships are not fucking each other and mm-hmm. so they're not there's no power dynamics at play oh that, yes um, you know when you're yeah. just friends with someone there's mm-hmm. nothing there for you you don't you don't try and like play mind time. games yeah. with them because you want to screw them it's just purely you love them and you know like when you're married to someone i feel like a lot of people enter marriages so that they feel like i don't know secure right they, they feel secure they yeah. feel like people who sometimes get married so that they can feel like okay i have a guarantee that i'll wake up and there's someone next to me who will always fight for me but because there's no legal framework around friendships you don't get decided to get married to a friendship there's mm-hmm. no impetus you choose wake up every day and you actively choose to be a friend with someone without anyone forcing you to you know yeah. it's like oh i've got to go home to my wife because she's my wife or i've got to do this for my husband because you know i i'm i'm because he's my husband so i have to like friendships there's no one forcing you to be in a friendship so yeah. in a way i feel like that's even stronger like when you actively choose to be with someone and to spend time with them every week or every day it's like i feel like that's way more meaningful and way more like like way more your own personal sort of like your it's like it comes from deep within you and not anybody else it's not the state what like it's not it's not um history telling you the thing about a marriage is it's like weighted with so much history and so much like you said oppression for women but like friendship doesn't have any of those baggage you know friendship you just decide to be friends with someone and you keep turning up for them Mm. and you don't get rewarded so i feel like um when you're with a romantic partner you're rewarded by you know you get to um get like health insurance benefits you get to you know you're rewarded in the way in which society rewards you in the sense that you know people who are married seem like 
they they seem more like adult or like people see it as an achievement people are like oh you you have you know you get pat on the back in a way that like if you're just friends with someone it it's like oh that doesn't seem like like there are no rewards to friendship mm-hmm. you know whereas in a marriage you know you get celebrated you get wedding gifts you get you know um just like so many benefits from you know people around you because you're in this relationship in which people are like okay i know where they stand i know what they need the, what what they give to each other but like friendship doesn't have any of that you know so i just yeah i will, i will always i will always feel that friendship is friend my friendships are you know the most strongest part of my life mm I think friendship there goes been the very blur line of everyone's definition of friendship is very different and I think the older I get the more picky of who Oh yeah definitely I know that I want to be with, friend with and I I feel like they are friends that will challenge you and open up conversations but they are also friends who you always thought that you grew up with them and they have similar va- values aligned to you but then you know the older you get and you finally found out that oh no they don't really think the same way as you do um but i i agree with everything you said and that was really beautiful oh thanks yeah i just um in everyone's life you're gifted with some sort of insight or you're blessed with something you know some people are blessed with good looks some people are blessed with like fortune some people are blessed by you know being born white <laughs> <laughs> and their lives are easier you know um and, but um i have been blessed by um friendship i have been blessed by like really strong beautiful people who have you know let me into their lives as friends. Mhm. Amazing, amazing. Anything else that you want to add on to that? Then I can. I feel like I've spoken so much about this <laughs> and I I will forevermore continue to rave about how wonderful this book is. Okay, I can't wait to read that book. I know. <laughs> Um, as for me, um, I have several 2022 best of the books, best books of 2022 that I want to share. But firstly, is um, I've mentioned it a couple of times in our previous episode, is the John John of the Ark reimagined uh-huh. by Catherine Chan, and I actually started reading this book. at the period of time when one of my when we were grieving for one of our family member who passed away earlier this year um mm-hmm. uh, bless my mother mother-in-law um it actually took me it actually kind of helped me to process that grief as well that not knowing that the i don't know how to even to explain this but I, but for me it was like kind of knowing that um A strong woman exists in every every place and mm. exists and they exist um you know in every period of time as well and my mother-in-law was a very very strong woman and John of Arc as well and I lo- I just love this novel because of how much that she Catherine Chan wrote about um her resilience uh not just as a woman 
but also as a sister as well. Um, so I briefly mentioned it to Billy and Kyle when we were staying at Newcastle. Mm. How much I loved it is because um, she continuously in this novel that she held on to that anger that she wants to seek revenge, um, not just because of the war, but also she wants to be she's outspoken. And at the same time that she wants people not to fear her. They want people, she wants the, the, the novel kind of prescribe her as a, a character that is, she, she will become a leader, not to be feared, but as being not even to be admired, but she wants to have the same respect that for those who follow her. So it's so different to a lot of leaders, leader style, leadership styles that we see even up until now that most yeah who are leaders, they actually just want power and authority to have people under them fear them. And the way that she wrote this book is just so brilliantly, I can't recommend enough. There's actually a lot of books that I want to recommend, but this wow. one. Okay. Yeah, this oh, one, yeah. You're, you're like the opposite of me. You like yeah. it. And I'm like, uh, there's only one book I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed Disorientation as about... A, just a appropriation of Chinese language in yeah. US college. It's it's so funny and there's a lot of dark humor around it as well. Um, I think if anyone who is linked into language literacy should not miss uh, disorientation. Yeah. Deli Wade's Destiny, an African-American writer, um, writes about the life of three woman um that one was really good as well short stories and you know, this year i wrote uh, i read shoko smile and life ceremony which is by mm. sayaka murata they yeah that that is great brilliant. That is, yeah yeah brilliant very interesting expands your mind and finally a special mention to kevin chen's chinese original mm. um novel. ghost town yeah ghost town I, re I read the i finished the english version but i this year, um, I've read all three of his Chinese works, which is called wow, Trilogy. I actually started his uh, final book of the Summer Trilogy, mm -hmm. which is yet to be translated into English. Uh, if I roughly translate it, it's called The Good, per the Good People of Upstairs, Lo Shang De Hao Ren. Oh, I like that title. That's that, really poetic. I don't want to spoil it for our listener because spoil I... Spoil it, spoil it. Oh, okay, it's... No, no, no. I don't. I, I want to okay. keep it as a. I want to keep it mysterious and to people and and to someone translate it or maybe maybe me or translate it yeah. into English and then people will figure it out themselves. Um, but this is one of those novels that interesting plot, uh, very plot driven, interesting character development, and not hard to read. I feel like it's it's easy to read for my standard. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those novels that you only get to the final chapter and it explodes and then i just start crying uncontrollably really? wow. yeah. that's amazing it's very emotional um yeah which is exciting because i get to speak to kevin chen next week <laughs> oh awesome that's great Helen. <laughs> i'm so excited asking yeah. about things of his you know creativity in his writing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Kevin Chen is definitely an author, a Chinese author who resides in Berlin, Germany. Uh -huh. He's the one to uh, look out for, for more of his work. Incredible. Yeah. So yeah, let me know how it goes because um, I, my partner and I are probably going to Germany next year. So yes. maybe yeah. we can meet up with him. Yeah, that would yeah. be amazing. 
No, actually, I don't like writers. I'm, I'm always that. <laughs> <laughs> I never find anything in common with them. They're always like really. They probably yeah. I, I yeah. I just I don't have a bunch of writer friends. <laughs> anything else? Yeah. No. I wanted to just like say yeah. This year has been amazing, and I I think um both of us. I, I've really been very proud of the stuff that you've done, Helen, and like always look forward to these recordings and. Like I'm so blessed to feel like so very lucky to feel like I have a space where I can just talk to you, someone about, um, you know, what it's like to be in an Asian female body and and uh, and to feel and experience these works of art that you know um, we have shared throughout 2022. Mm. And uh, what a what a strange, interesting time we're living in definitely strange so strange and i feel very buoyed by the fact that we have people like you know gabrielle zevin who's writing books that you know um makes our lives more richer you know mm. and um and uh doesn't doesn't make those who don't adhere to you know all the things that we're told to adhere to um doesn't make us feel like we're we're lonely in our in our own lives and in our own choices and that is the best kind of book. That is the book that I want to write. You know, I only want to write books that expand people's idea of what love can be. Mm -hmm. So those are the list of books that we mentioned on this episode. I'll put them in our show notes as well as yes. post something on Instagram probably. You know, um, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and tag, you should tag Gabrielle, Gabrielle Zevin. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, also, we'll sh I'll, I'll send you Helen, um, and Helen, you can put in the show notes the um, the New York Times Born in Love column that she wrote. Encourage everyone to go and have a look and let us know what you think. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Give us a five star rating if you would like to support us. What we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under. Head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week, and we'll chat to you next time. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.